0: To Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. College football, NFL, Buccaneers, Panthers, Deacons, Tar Heels. Dave Clawson joins us live in about 40 minutes. David Cutcliffe joins us live from Duke in about 60 minutes. Your questions and comments on the Panthers and the NFL weekend to come. College football and that schedule that starts with Deacons hosting the Tar Heels tomorrow night. Major League Baseball has an all-time new single-season home run record. And... That season is not even close to being over yet. You can jump in with your questions or comments about Team USA as well. They are in the process of having their worst finish in a major international basketball competition. It's the Every Four Year World Cup. And at best, the Americans will finish seventh. They lost to France yesterday in the quarterfinals. They lost to Serbia today in one of the consolation games. They have one more consolation game. And whether they win or lose, they're going to finish either seventh or eighth. That is a country that in men's basketball for about three decades has won gold medals almost every time it has used NBA players. It was a watered-down roster this time, and they fell far, far, far short of their goal under head coach Greg Popovich after Mike Krzyzewski handed that torch to the Spurs head coach. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the David Glench Show. So just to put an exclamation point, as intern Sam takes your calls, 1-800-849-2761. To put an exclamation point, on the wacky sports fan story that I closed last hour with. The Browns wanted to identify and ban the fan who poured beer all over Tennessee Titans defensive back Logan Ryan on Sunday. They started an investigation. A fan put out on social media, I've been banned from Browns home games. Logan Ryan actually thanked publicly the Cleveland Browns. Oh, you caught the guy. You're disciplining the guy, and that's a pretty severe penalty. He's not allowed back, and he thanked the Cleveland Browns. Only one problem. This particular Eric Smith told a local Cleveland TV station that after learning he was banned by the Browns from future home games, he told them both, "Uh, I wasn't at the game that day. I haven't been to a Browns home game since 2010, and I even have visual proof that I wasn't there because I'm a DJ and I was DJing a wedding on Sunday. The Browns did release a statement that included our investigation remains ongoing and we will have no further comment until that investigation is complete. He's a white dude. He has a big bushy brown beard. He has been to Cleveland Browns game in the past, maybe even in that same section where the dudes caught on video clearly throwing beer on purpose all over Logan Ryan. They got somebody, but clearly they have lost, they have gotten the wrong guy. To be clear on today's program, in case you were wondering how weird things can get in the sports world, a triple crown winning horse was caught using PEDs last year, and horse racing officials swept that under the proverbial rug because their sport needed more positive publicity that can come with a triple crown winner like Justify. And given all the dead horses dominating those headlines seriously, they wanted to avoid more negative publicity. So what did they do? They just didn't tell anybody about the positive drug test and the follow-up positive drug test. They got the wrong beer-throwing fan, and animals are now using PEDs. That's where we are today as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Darren, would you be able to say, as an observer, of the horse racing industry did the end justify the means oh. uh, <laughs> i apologize for that one one 800 849 sometimes it's a pity it's, laugh i'll admit but that's, come on no, that's good that got me it is corny <laughs> grandpa style like punchline but it is pretty funny. The ends justified the means. Justify the Triple Crown winning horse from last year who happens to be a PED user, as Joe Drape's article in the New York Times showed uh, late yesterday or early today. 1 800 849 2761. On the Antonio Brown thing, and then we'll welcome your calls. Steve wants in on the Panthers hosting the Buccaneers. Others, the Deacons hosting the Tar Heels tomorrow night. Still others the mind-numbing headlines surrounding Team USA at the World Cup of Basketball, 1-800-849-2761 if you'd like to be next from anywhere in our statewide audience or beyond. You all know that I use the phrase, follow the evidence a lot. That comes part from my attorney background, practiced 17 years, passed the state bar here in North Carolina way back in 1994. It also comes from my journalism background. Long before being a sports radio goofball, I created the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com. I have a journalism degree from a high-end journalism school. And in that walk of life as well, as as with an attorney, you are encouraged at all times to follow the evidence. As an attorney, if you fail that mission, at some point you're going to commit malpractice, you're going to be sued, and you're going to lose. You better learn to follow the evidence. And as a journalist... If you misstep on a big enough thing, you are going to be on the wrong end as a company or as the writer himself or herself of a libel or slander-style lawsuit. Again, if you don't learn to follow the evidence in both of my main walks of life, you could end up in prison in one context, disbarred in another context, fired in another context, or penniless if you're on the wrong end of a financial judgment. What I've seen in the Antonio Brown case that I would discourage fair-minded people from doing would be jumping to either end of the spectrum because I have seen a lot of shaming of the victim. In other words, well, if this is real, if you're not just a gold digger making something up or taking what was, Antonio Brown, remember, says it was a consensual sexual relationship. So she puts forward evidence of what she calls sexual assault, and in one case, violent, forcible rape. And he says, oh, yeah, she was my trainer, and we were sexually active together, but it was consensual. Well, if Antonio Brown's telling the truth, it's not a crime. You might not like the details of their escapades, but it's not a crime. It might offend your sense of good taste, but it's not a crime if it's consensual. Well, it's not only a crime, it's a huge crime if it was non-consensual, if these were three sexual assaults, if that was one violent, forcible rape, that was last year in one case, two other incidents in 2017. Victim shaming is never a good idea. Like telling her, why didn't you go get a rape kit that night? I mean, if someone that you cared about came to you with whatever narrative You might be skeptical, why didn't you tell me then, why are you telling me now? Maybe she has a good answer for that, maybe she doesn't. But in that moment, even if it is factually correct, if you were a victim, it is incredibly helpful to law enforcement if you go and get a rape kit done. That gives them physical evidence that goes a long way toward catching bad guys and catching predators. Now, you can catch rapists even without a rape kit, but it's one of those examples where something is factually correct. Anybody in the criminal justice system, defense attorney, prosecutor, or otherwise, will tell you, of course, it is powerful evidence, just like in all the TV shows that you watch, the blood spatter on the wall went this way or that way. The collecting of DNA helped them find a person that they didn't even know was in the area, but because somebody whose blood or saliva or urine was in some database and it overlapped with this DNA, they go from having not even a suspect to actually a conviction. That's how serious physical evidence can be. That's how important it can be in the road to justice, in catching bad guys, and in putting predators away. Unfortunately... We do live in a world, and I know some people don't want to hear this, and these folks are scattered at both extremes on the spectrum here. You can be smart, open-minded, without being bullying and sexist toward the alleged victim, without blaming her for what she didn't do, without accusing her for waiting longer to report this than you are comfortable with. And if you didn't know, she did not call the police. Some people are automatically skeptical because you didn't call the police. I am not an expert on these things, but I've talked to enough experts who are, and I've worked as an attorney long enough to know that there, is all sorts, there are all sorts of emotions involved if you are a sexual assault victim or a rape victim that it would be extremely difficult for someone who's never been in those shoes to understand. So what are you going to do? Are you going to metaphorically beat the alleged victim up further by blaming her for what she didn't do or how long she took it or why didn't you call police and if it really happened? I would think from outside that you would have automatically done this. Try to remember that the rule, you know, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and you're going to be a much better person with your perception of things or your accusations or your observations. If you have not been that victim, it is going to be darn close to impossible for you to put yourself in her shoes. When it comes to the case itself, if it ever came into the criminal justice system, or even in this case, it's a civil lawsuit, it is really, really important to look into every possibility. Like, in other words, you can't just say somebody alleged something so everybody gets the kid glove treatment. It's simply not that way. It is hard emotionally and otherwise to come forward as a victim of sexual assault. And all the experts will tell you that it is not as simple as you might think from the outside. Rape kit, call the police immediately, et cetera. Why'd you wait so long? Now it's a civil lawsuit, not a criminal justice case. Unless you've been there, it might be harder for you to understand. The folks at the other end of the spectrum, even though they really resist this reality, we unfortunately live in a world where people do make stuff up. People do, and I have, as an attorney, been involved in cases that this exactly happened. A younger, naive DG might have said, well, why would anybody simply make up something as horrific and horrible and violent as that? Like, why would you make that up? I mean, now you're going to be in the news as the victim, and, oh, my gosh, you're killing this person's life, potentially. He could go to jail for something he didn't do if you're making this up. With my own eyes, with my own experience, I was near cases where, in one example, a young woman was involved in a consensual sexual relationship. She came home really, really late, middle of the night hours. Her dad was a pastor. He noticed certain things that probably most daughters at that age don't want their dad to notice, especially in the middle of the night as you came home after curfew, after having consensual sexual relationship with somebody. Well, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, under pressure, fearful of pastor, dad, and what he'll think, that young woman claimed that it was non-consensual sex. And that man was paraded out of his apartment in front of his roommates, his friends, his neighbors, God, and everybody else as an alleged rapist later and i'm fast forwarding a long way while this person who did nothing but have a consensual experience is in the newspapers with his mugshot as oh my gosh we know that guy you know i went to high school with him or i went to college with him and as it turned out months later that young woman admitted she made the whole thing up they did have sex but it was consensual sex i'm telling you As a younger, naive person, or as someone with no experience in these sorts of things, I would have been skeptical about that type of story. Now, in other examples, it's truly a gold digger. Somebody has deep pockets, there was a consensual relationship, and later, dude upsets woman about something, and she says, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get my money in a settlement, even if none of it is true. That does happen. I hate that it happens, but it does happen. So in a reality where all we have is a lawsuit, let's be honest about what it is and what it is not. The former trainer, Brittany Taylor, with her attorneys filed a lawsuit. There are some graphic texts in there. So that is evidence, and it makes Antonio Brown look bad. I would urge you to wait to convict anybody of anything, either her of false allegations or him of rape or sexual assault, in part because we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. You know what a, lo- you know what a civil lawsuit is in this case? It's her version of events as flushed out with her attorneys. There's no DA here. There's no prosecutor. There's no police. She never went to the police. There's no flushing of the evidence or vetting of it with actual professionals, right? It's her, her attorneys who are planning a civil suit. Whatever you think is the end result, and I'm telling you, I don't know the end result. If you want to be fair, and I know the majority of Americans are, I get the feeling that about a third of you gave up on that concept a long time ago, and I can see it with how you live and how you vote on a regular basis. If you are still a fair-minded person you have to be open-minded to both possibilities because we only have a tiny slice of the evidence. A civil lawsuit is a one-sided version of the truth by definition. Like, this is not... A criminal justice system is set up so that this side's attorneys asks questions trying to prove guilt, or in that case, the prosecutor, if it's a criminal justice system, and the defense attorney is trying to raise reasonable doubt. Or maybe they think the whole thing was made up and they're just trying to show their truth that way. So it's competing, competing interests both in our system of justice. It's designed that the truth will emerge as two opposite sides try to tell their stories. And usually it's a bastardized story on one side and a bastardized story on the other side. Neither of those two sides really want you to know everything. They're volunteering what makes their outcome more likely. That's what they're volunteering theoretically one bastardized version put up next to the other bastardized version gets you closer to what actually happened. And that's why a jury is asked to listen to that and why a judge is asked to view that. In this particular case, we have very little. If you want to conclude, by the way, that Antonio Brown is a sexist, bullying, profane pig, if you're you're ready to render that verdict today, I'm with you. Those texts alone convict, in air quotes, Antonio Brown as a sexist, bullying, profane pig, period. I mean, everybody has different ways of communicating, right? We, we had to have the embarrassing, unpresidential conversation surrounding grabbing women by the pee. I mean, that actually happened in the real world an outrageously sexist, misogynistic story. And then we had to have this debate about how many people just talk to each other that way. I'm a dude. I was a fraternity member. I've been in locker rooms my whole life. And it is not a common way of speaking about women, even among those of us who are occasionally cavemen. I can tell you with a stack of Bibles under my hand, I... And those close to me have never used anything close to that terminology, not once. Are there occasional comments we make that we'd rather not our wives or old girlfriends or our moms here? Yes. But that one, no, nothing like it. And I've, I've been around a long time. Similarly here, there are some people who communicate to each other in the profane ways that Antonio Brown was texting his former trainer, Brittany Taylor. That does not make you guilty of something in the criminal justice system. That doesn't even make you on the wrong end of a civil lawsuit. That doesn't mean Antonio Brown loses the lawsuit because he was a sexist, bullying, profane pig as he's texting back and forth about some of these shenanigans with Brittany Taylor. Makes Antonio Brown look like a bad person. You can convict him of that if you want, but you don't lose the lawsuit because you're a profane, bullying, sexist pig. You might not even lose an election if you brag about grabbing women by the P word. That, that's the reality of the situation. Antonio Brown, you can convict him if you want of some things, but open-minded people, if you really want to follow the evidence, you have to keep in mind that there's a lot more out there than we haven't heard. A.B., through his attorneys, have said stuff happened, but it was all consensual. She has said through this lawsuit stuff happened, but it was non-consensual whom should you believe I'll wait until we have more evidence and Roger Goodell is in a really tricky hot seat because I don't think he has enough evidence to believe more than he said she said what happens here without a police investigation it's going to be and there was not one again it's hard to get closer to the truth and that puts Roger Goodell in the crosshairs because women's rights advocates want to see a suspension here while the NFL is investigating And defendants' rights advocates are saying, well, wait a minute, innocent until proven guilty is a criminal justice phrase, but if A.B. says it was consensual, why are you more likely to believe her when she says it's non-consensual, at least without more evidence coming to light? 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. There's a lot more that we don't have than we do have on the ongoing Antonio Brown saga. If you're the Patriots, you have one decision to make, you could say this looks and smells bad enough that I'm not playing that guy in week two. You could. If you're Roger Goodell, you have put on the exempt list other people while you were still gathering information. You can do it. He has the authority to in the collective bargaining agreement. There is no doubt about that. There's plenty of doubt about what actually happened over those last two years between those two people. 1-800-849-2761. And my suggestion is just proceed toward both of those people with the mindset that there's more that you don't know than that you do know 1-800-849-2761 dave clausen live in about 20 minutes david cutcliffe live in about 40 minutes your phone calls on the antonio brown team usa basketball nfl college football and other headlines of the day 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on the david glenn show You know, it's nice to have Gerald on our, on our side. He's a heck of a young man. And he's a guy that, you know, for, for, for the last eight years, you know, we, we've had to think about. So this is different, that's for sure. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little Ron Rivera for you. Dave Clawson live in about 20 minutes. David Cutcliffe live in about 30 or so. Pat in Wilmington wants to jump in on the Antonio Brown conversation. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. I got the question, what is real about Wake Forest 2-0 start? What is real? about UNC's 2-0 start and what leaves the rest of us guessing. I will answer that after we take more of your calls. Pat in Wilmington, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Sure. I appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to say that I, I was a victim of a date rape when I was 22. That was 40 years ago. Um, I was a new nurse. Uh, it was a physician that I worked with who asked me out to dinner and then took me back to his house and, and raped me. Ugh. And, I didn't tell anybody for years because I felt I put myself in that position and it was my fault. And, you know, I don't know what the psychology is about exactly not wanting to tell anybody except that you just feel so ashamed or embarrassed. Um, you know, like I said, he was a physician, he was someone I worked with, yeah. and it was very, very intimidating. And um, when I eventually realized that I had contracted an STD, and I, I knew it was for him because I was a virgin for that. I went to a doctor, um, and he was so judgmental. He and his nurse both were so rude and cold to me. Mm. Um, and I, you know, that, that further added to my shame. So I, I did get why women don't go to the police yeah. sometimes. I mean, there's so many different situations that could be you know, a family member. There's so much sexual abuse in families. But um, I also see the other side, and I was glad to hear what you had to say, because I, I get tired of people jumping to conclusions automatically. He, all a woman has to do is say, this man raped me, and his, his reputation is damaged right. forever.
0: And, and one more thing to add. I'm so glad you called, Pat, and that's an incredibly personal thing to share with all of us, so I, I appreciate you kind of opening your heart that way. I'm so sorry that that happened to you uh, long ago, but uh, I, I always look at, look at it this way. As a starting point in life, treat people the way you would want to be treated, right? So I don't know if this alleged assault victim is telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but I am going to respect her, and I am not going to second-guess, as I said earlier, why she delayed or why she didn't go to the police. At the same time, I'm not the biggest Antonio Brown fan. I I love him as a player. I dislike him as a person, and I've elaborated on why. Even though I don't don't like him, that doesn't mean that I want to mistreat him. And if he says for now that it was consensual – Uh, On the current evidence, I still think the wait and see that you advised is the best route to take. And one more layer to this is if you were, you know, and Pat sounds like somebody that's, it's incredibly open-minded for a victim of sexual assault under those horrific circumstances that she described, yet she's still open to listening to Antonio Brown's side of the story. You know, the alleged predator here, I mean, I give you a lot of credit because that's, that's an even harder road to being fair-minded and even keeled about what is just an intensely personal situation here. One more layer is, let's say that Pat was the king of the world or I was the king of the world, and I'm Roger Goodell. I mean, he has that much power in his hands. It's not in the criminal sense, but in the do-you-get-to-play sense. The collective bargaining agreement says he could suspend or put on the exempt list, rather, right now, Antonio Brown, without having much evidence at all, just this civil lawsuit, these papers. right? And there's some wicked evidence in there. However, it's he said, she said on the consent part. So Roger Goodell... If you suspend Antonio Brown just on this, now apparently the woman actually I've read is getting married. She wants to talk to the NFL, but understandably, she does not want to disrupt her own wedding plans to rush her in, you know investigation conversation with the NFL officials who want to get to the truth. So she's going to go through with her wedding, and it sounds like she's going to meet with NFL officials next week, possibly that early. Well, if you're Roger Goodell on the current evidence, if you – if you say Antonio Brown's straight to the exempt list can't play this week for the Patriots, you are setting the bar where Pat just described it probably should not be set, right? Somebody accused somebody of something horrible. If as the NFL commissioner you're going to do that, what, what, are you, what are you definitely going to see at some point in the future? We're in playoff week and somebody comes out of nowhere and accuses somebody of something. And we don't, that's all we have. Woman says, dude, did this. That's all you have. Oh, and there's a playoff game this weekend. If you set the bar at somebody accused somebody of something serious like rape, and before we have police evidence, before we have the lawsuit proceeding, before the woman in this case even gets to tell her side of the story to the NFL officials in an interview setting, if you set the bar that low, don't you think you're going to have that many more? I want to – who knows? I mean, you can have gamblers paying people to come up with ridiculous allegations during game week. You have to be careful where you set the bar for suspension or exempt list even while being respectful to the alleged victim and the alleged predator. And it's easier said than done. In practice, do you really want to be Roger Goodell? in a league where there has been a whole lot more public relations toward respect for women than there has been actual action showing respect for women. It's not easy to be the guy that says, i got to wait for more evidence. I'm sorry, but I have to wait for more evidence. As national columnists are bombarding you for a caveman-style approach to these issues, for the money-grubbing NFL where all they care about is money and the only things they do in respect toward women, is to save their own behinds and try to win or manage the public relations battle. That's, that, it's not an easy choice or place to be. Of course, that's why the owners pay Roger Goodell. He, he is in large part designed to be the arrow catcher, the javelin catcher, as George Bush used to say. He'll get criticism for whatever he does. A.B. plays, he's going to hear it from one side. A.B. doesn't play, he's going to hear it from the other side. When you th- know more evidence is coming, and this woman apparently has agreed to talk, I still think caution is the best advice. And I, again, thank Pat and Wilmington for sharing that very personal story. Dave Klaassen, later this hour, more of your calls, too, on The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on The David Glenn Show.
1: The NCAA book on violations that sick Superman has trouble carrying.
0: This is true. A- However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Dave Claussen's going to join us shortly. Darren, real quickly, would we have to stop being friends if I told you that Bob Dylan, and yes, there's a sports-related angle here, And the lead songwriter for Talking Heads, David Byrne. Incredibly talented guy as well. Yeah. Would our friendship end if I asked or if I said out loud that I admire, respect, and enjoy both musicians, but dot, 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 I admire their songwriting, infinitely more than i like how their music <laughs> actually sounds. No, you're not alone actually. That's a that's a i wouldn't say and it's I don't, a popular I don't wanna, opinion. And, and don't get me wrong, i do not dislike their music. I want to sure. be very clear about sure. this. Dave Clausen of Wake Forest's favorite song of all time is Naive Melody. It's actually also entitled This Must Be the Place. It is a beautifully written song. I don't even like the song all that much. <laughs> If you read the lyrics, seriously, it is up there with some of the best rock and roll songs ever written. Naive Melody, this must be the place. Check it out. A little bit of home is where the heart is. You know, a lot of that in there. It's a beautiful song. As with a lot of Bob Dylan songs, (laughs) the, the lyrics, I think, are Shakespearean in their brilliance. Truly. Absolutely. I mean best in the history of the world in some cases i mean when jimmy buffett does a bob dylan cover and bob dylan does a jimmy buffett cover you know i'm in heaven man but actually in both cases you might say that the writing is better than the actual performances you guys be very careful over there about what you say about jimmy buffett because that could end a friendship that could be i don't draw too many lines but you saw me smirk toward intern sam sorry that's a line that i have to draw Anyway, Dave Clawson has a 2-0 football team. Mac Brown has a 2-0 football team. They play each other on ESPN tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. They have an argument that after Clemson, they both could say, you know, why not us? Why can't we be as good as anybody else in the ACC? We'll talk mostly about football, I promise. But why is naive Melody by Talking Heads... The greatest song of all time in the eyes of Wake Forest football coach Dave Clausen. Mac Brown dropped by the David Glenn Show previously. Dave Clausen drops by next. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We ask folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can
2: be mellow and coach a game that can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching.
0: Keep it here on the David Glenn Show welcome back to the david glenn show david cutcliffe joins us live from duke in about 15 minutes more football our next guest loves this song so much that he has described it as one of his favorite of all time he has a 2-0 football team at wake forest he hosts the 2-0 north carolina tar heels of our recent guest mac brown But he has become a friend of the program, so I am allowed one off-the-wall non-football question as we say hello to Dave Clausen and welcome him back. He's a guy who can quote Stripes and other childhood movies that we shared our love for. We were born less than 24 hours apart. The world got Dave Clausen and David Glenn within 24 hours. Coach, welcome back. Why is Naive Melody by Talking Heads uh, one of the greatest songs of all time in your eyes. I mean,
2: I don't know how anybody can't listen to that song and be in a better mood. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for a more positive interview just because you came <laughs> in with that. <laughs> what does it, know,
0: uh, what it, does it mean uh, to you?
2: Well, as we talked, uh, you know, we, we were raised in the 80s, and uh, one of the first concerts I ever saw was the Stop Making Sense Tour in 1983. Um, and I saw David Byrne and Talking Heads uh, in Buffalo, New York, And ever since then, I've just been, that's my, probably my favorite band. If you look at my playlist, there's more Talking Heads songs on there than anything. And um, Naive Melody is always at the top of the playlist. So every year for my birthday, um, I take over the playlist for practice. And as soon as Naive Melody comes on, the players know it's my birthday.
0: Are the words in that song a life anthem for you in any way? Because there's a lot of what we hear you talk to football players about, you know, stay over your feet, honor where you are, including home and stuff like that.
2: Um, I mean, I wouldn't go that deep or that philosophical with it, but it's funny. uh, One of my best friends from high school this year for my birthday sent me a poster with the lyrics to the song on it and the top uh, Stop Making Sense uh, Naive Melody poster and I have it hung up in my office so I just <laughs> it's uh it's here permanently and uh You know, so it's funny that you ask it because I just hung the poster up this week.
0: Well, it's funny that you mentioned it because I went and looked up the lyrics because I read that it was one of your favorite songs, and I actually read things that I had not heard even though I had listened to the song many, many times. One of the many reasons we thank Dave Clawson for his contributions on life, sports, football, and his Demon Deacons here on The David Glenn Show. Well,
2: that's your whole thing with with Coach Cut, life, sports, and Duke football. I don't know, with me, maybe it's life, uh, pop culture in the 80s and wake football
0: I'm okay with that could okay. we still be friends if I said that I view David Byrne and Talking Heads uh, as I view a Bob Dylan where they're even greater song writers than the music sounds great or would that like be a a, a career threatener or a relationship no, not at
2: all We're, okay. it's all it's all good and I think uh, yeah, just so much of it is, is where you grow up and the music you're introduced to and um you know for me that was you know in niagara falls and youngstown new york and uh you know we were very close to toronto and and got a lot of the british music um you know but yeah i mean he's a great songwriter he's still going strong i mean he still tours on his own and uh, he had a huge tour last year that I, i was really bummed out i didn't get to see um and hopefully someday i'll get to see him
0: Dave yeah. Clawson joining us on Twitter. You can follow him at Coach Clawson on TV. You can find him tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, the national game on ESPN, his 2-0 and o Deacons hosting the 2-0 North Carolina Tar Heels. You've shared some of this on our show in years past, and I know you talked about it at your press conference this week. But for those reflecting upon September 11th, one day later, Uh, You have two incredible connections there. You've told us your sister worked in one tower but was not on time for work that day 18 years ago, thank goodness. And one of your former Fordham football players died on 9-11. What what was your message uh, all these years later about you seeing that horrible day from a couple of different angles?
2: I mean, it's it's something you never get over. I think when we grew up – You know, people were always telling us that they can all remember where they were when JFK was assassinated. And I think for our generation, it's, you know, September 11th is that watershed moment that you can recall like it's yesterday. And uh, for me, it was even, you know, more personal because I was working in New York City at the time at Fordham. um, And uh you know, my, my sister worked in the second tower, and her commuter train was 10 minutes late that day, which probably saved her life. Yep. But we could not get a hold of her for two and a half, three hours, mm. um, and Nick Brandomarty. And, um, and I think at times with events like this, you can exaggerate how great of a kid was. With Nick, that would be impossible. He, he, There's no doubt in my mind that 18 years later, if Nick was alive, we'd still be in touch, mm. and um, he was just – incredible kid just a maturity to him and was going to be super successful and couldn't play uh, his senior year because of a concussion and became a student coach and he'd come up every Wednesday and we'd talk life for 15 minutes half an hour we'd grab a cup of coffee together and the week before uh, he was the one player from his senior class that came back to see our last scrimmage and um, you know I remember seeing him in an alleyway at Fordham from the practice field back to the office I just said, "Hey Nick, I really appreciate you coming back to this. It really says something that you're here." And he just said, "Coach, he goes, You know I love you, don't you?'" <laughs> I said, "Nick, I love you too, man." And that was the the, the last time I ever saw him or spoke to him. Wow. And um, you know, every day that, uh, every year that September 11th comes up, I, I think of my sister Kathy and Nick Brandamarty and just my team at Fordham and and being in New York City then and how tragic it was.
0: Dave Klaassen is with us from Wake Forest. This is an unusual setting tomorrow night. We're used to Deacons and Heels. Heck, when I started covering this league in 1987, these two schools played every single year for a long time. Now to get them, you had to put them on the non-conference schedule. Why was that important, and what was your voice in that kind of a decision as we see you two go head-to-head tomorrow night again?
2: I mean, uh, Ron Wellman was the AD, and he asked me if I'd have interest in playing North Carolina in a non conference game, and I said, absolutely. Um, I I really believe uh, rivalries is what makes college football special. Um, And, you know, have two teams that, you know, played each other back in the 1800s and played each other for 85 or 86 consecutive years from 1919 to 2004 and the fact that we don't play each other every year is, um, is, uh, I just think very, very sad. Um, you know, these are games that fans want to see and, and, you know, TV is absolutely important and we have a great partnership with ESPN and, you know, but these are games that fans want to drive to and see and watch live and be able to, you know, nudge each other at the water cooler on Monday and, I think that's what makes college football special is it's, it's not just entertainment, but there's alliances to your school or you grow up a, a Tar Heel fan or a Deacon fan or a Blue Devil fan and um, it, it makes the game fun, it makes the game fun for our kids and uh, you know, we'd love to figure out a way that we could play this game every year and ideally that would be as a conference game, but when you have 14 teams in a conference and round robin scheduling, um, it's hard and I know. Uh, you know, I certainly believe that Duke and NC State feel the same way.
0: Coaches tend not to want to say things like I'm about to say, but in all of your time at Wake, I watched every play of your win over a good Utah State team, uh, pretty much every play of your convincing win at Rice, and, and it just looks to me like the best of the six teams that you have had with the Demon Deacons. Um, two quarterbacks that you like, you know, Cade Carney when he's healthy and other running backs, good offensive line, uh, Boogie Basham, on the pass right. Sage Sherratt has, has uh, emerged even more so at wideout. I love your punter, kicker, et cetera. Um, I know Kendall Hinton's out, but uh, how would you assess that? Is it, are you not in the business of saying this team has the chance to be my best at Wake, or is that okay to talk about?
2: Well, we're only two games into it, and I think you know every team has their own story and their own script, and I don't like getting caught up comparing this team to that team. I think you do that when the year's over. So. Um, you know, we've had some good teams here the last few years, and certainly the goal of this team is to win the most games and to finish highest in the ACC standings, and and all that. But we're only two games into this, and a lot of things can happen. You know, young kids can step up. You can have injuries. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Utah State game. Um, You know, we are very fortunate to win that game. If we don't complete a a fourth and two with a minute left, we're one and one. And there's probably not nearly optimism yet. We'd have the same football team. So um, I I think we have a chance to be good. But this will be certainly our our biggest test of the year so far uh, with North Carolina coming to town tomorrow night.
0: I have only about a minute left, so I'll word it this way. Optimistic UNC fans believe that their team can be the acorn that becomes an oak. What pessimistic UNC fans think a 2-0 and start may turn out to be a naive melody. <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you see? What is different I don't,
2: about I don't I don't view things from an optimistic <laughs> or pessimistic UNC perspective. I, right. I worry about the Wake Forest team and Deacons, and um, you, you know, it's hard not to respect what North Carolina's done their first two games. Yep. I mean, to beat South Carolina and Charlotte, And then to beat Miami uh, at home, I mean, they've got two great wins. Uh, They've come from behind on both those wins. They're doing it with a freshman quarterback that's not playing like a freshman. And, uh, you know, Larry Fedora was a good coach. Larry Fedora recruited good players. Um, You know, there's a lot of kids on that North Carolina team that that we recruited and we wanted at Wake. So this is, uh, you know, it wasn't an empty cupboard, uh, but they certainly are believing in, in what they're doing. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have good players, they're, they're well coached, and they've shown a lot of resilience in their first two games. So uh, they've earned both of those wins. And like I said, we, we have great respect for them and know they're talented, know they're well coached, and this will be a, a very tough football game for us.
0: Thanks for the visit. You know I just needed to squeeze those two phrases into the same question. It probably didn't make any sense, but you gave a great answer anyway.
2: And my guess is you're not going to be talking about 80s John Hughes films and <laughs> talking heads with Coach Cut.
0: Maybe next time. I don't know. We're diverse here. Thanks, Coach. Coach Cut is next. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime.
1: Hey, I'll be your intern after Listen, this is open, man.
0: We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show.